I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. this week's episode of Biz Talks. This is Kim Singletary. I'm the managing editor of Biz New Orleans Magazine. And this week we're um, talking about uh, something that you may have uh, heard about, but um, it opened in the middle of the pandemic in May of last year, uh, not far from the World War II Museum, um, the Museum of the Southern Jewish Experience. It may not be um, something you're familiar with yet, but if it's not, it should be. Uh, the latest addition to our city's wonderful collection of museums. It has already garnered national attention just this month, grabbing the fifth spot in the Best New Attraction category in USA Today's 10 Best Reader's Choice Travel Awards. Honored amongst a diverse list of nominees from across the country, from skate parks and adventure centers to museums and other immersive experiences, MSJE was the contest highest ranked museum and the only nominee in Louisiana. I'm excited today to be joined by the museum's executive director, Kenneth Hoffman. Thanks for joining us, Kenneth. My pleasure, Kim. Um, So you were born in Houston and raised in Baton Rouge, and you've worked with a lot of um, New Orleans museums. I'm looking at your your little resume here. Um, You were a grant writer for the New Orleans Museum of Art um, and the curator of education at the Louisiana State Museum. And then from 2004 to 06, you were president of the Louisiana Association of Museums. Um, and that means uh, that was obviously fell um, during Hurricane Katrina and that aftermath. And then you recently, before coming to MSJE, um, ended an 18 year tenure as director of education at the National World War II Museum, which you helped open in uh, the year 2000. Is that correct? That is all correct. Um, I have found that people who want to work in museums and love New Orleans um, oftentimes will, you know, work in several of the different museums that we have here. So um, it's not uncommon to find people who have worked in all the places I've worked as well over the years. What is it about museums? As a, I don't think of it like as an industry, but it, it's it's kind of it's its own thing. And so what is it that you always think that if somebody joins a museum, like say you do, you know, museum of art, you're really just into art, you know, and you're into, Mm -hmm. but there's something about museums as a whole, obviously, because you've worked in many different museums. Sure. Well, I think that, you know, that the fascination of with museums is that in our age, in our world of virtual everything, museums are a piece of the real thing real art, real history, real science. Um, and there's a there's a desire to interact and learn and engage with something that's real. Um, and museums can provide that. And and people have done studies about who do you who in society do you trust the most? Is it politicians? Mm-hmm. It, uh, yeah. Guess what? It's not. Um, <laughs> is it, you know, is it uh, doctors? Is it uh, university professors? Is it the media? And museums always comes very close up to the top of institutions that people trust because they, their, 
their job, you know, what we do is to provide a space for the public to come in, to engage in a conversation, in a social way, if they want, with something that is really interesting and a part of this world. Uh, and that's what attracted me to museums. Um, as a matter of fact, growing up in Baton Rouge, when I was 10 years old, King Tut came to Noma. It was oh, a wow. big deal, yeah. really big deal. And my folks brought me to see King Tut. And I remember as a 10 year old walking through there and having this realization that, wow, someone, this was someone's job to plan all this and put all this together and make it happen. And I thought, well, that's really cool. That, that would be a great job. And so from a very early age, I was sort of a history nerd and, um, and went into, into the museum field. So how did this, you left um, the World War II Museum, which is obviously hugely well-known and celebrated and to, to come and kind of do a, basically like a startup, you know, like, a, mm -hmm. um, and so what, what drew you to this project? Well, I, so I grew up Jewish in, in Baton Rouge. Um, I went to a Jewish summer camp in Mississippi where the first iteration of this museum existed. Um, it, it was an effort to preserve items from small town Southern Jewish communities that were quickly disappearing. So they would be gathered at this summer camp and they put together a museum, but it was pretty inaccessible to the general public. So that museum eventually was closed down um, and a new location was sought, one that was more accessible. They chose New Orleans. I was working at the World War II Museum. I had helped open that up when it was, before it was the D-Day Museum even. Um, and so I had experience with museums. I had experience with the topic of Southern Jewish history. Um, and I was excited for the opportunity to, to bring something new to New Orleans. New Orleans is, I'm in love with New Orleans um, and I wanna see it flourish. I wanna see people come to New Orleans um, and uh, strengthen the economy, strengthen the culture. And so uh, I jumped at the opportunity and I'm glad I did. So who are the players involved in, in bringing this to New Orleans and, and what, are the, mm -hmm. what are the kind of the big players here, like the funding? Where did, how did you guys make this happen? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, by the time I was brought on to the project in 20, I guess, 2017, um, there had already been years of work by a volunteer committee of some really wonderful people. Um, and I'm just going to throw out three names. Jay Tannenbaum, Rusty Palmer, and Morris Mintz. Those three gentlemen spent lots and lots of volunteer time trying to organize the effort to move the museum to New Orleans. Um, and then they hired me to, you know, to push that through to a reality. Um, we've raised uh, about $9.2 million toward our $10 million capital campaign goal. Uh, so we're very close to completing that. The museum opened last May. We have no debt, which is wonderful. Wow. Um, and, um, and we are very proud of, of having opened in the middle of the pandemic. We were the first major 
new thing to open up in the city during the pandemic. And, and we're really happy to be part of the, I guess the, the rebirth or the, or the rebounding of tourism here in town um, as COVID subsides. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. You can't see me on the radio. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so where, so did they already have the location? Cause you have a great location. We do, we are um, on Howard, um, about a block from Lee Circle on the opposite side of Lee Circle from the World War II Museum where I used to work. So I didn't have to learn a new route to get to work every day. <laughs> That's nice. um, and uh, we're right on where the streetcar turns um, from Howard onto Carondelet to head to, you know, down to yeah, Canal you're, Street. You're kind of by Noki, right? It, we're, we're across the street, uh, Caddy Corner from Noki. Um, and we're friends with them. We're, so we're in what we call the museum district and yeah. the city calls the arts district. But we've got, uh, we've got Ogden, the Ogden Museum of Southern Art, the Contemporary Arts Center, not too many blocks away is the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Right. Um, so there's, we're, we're on the hop on hop off bus route. They go oh, okay. right by our building. Um, so it's a, uh, yeah, it's a great location for tourists and locals alike. And as soon as more tourists start coming to town, you know, we want them coming our way. They already are. We've had more than 5,000 people visit thus far and um, the doors are open six days a week. Do you know how many, like, what's your percentage? How many people have been locals versus out of towners? Well, we do um, collect zip codes. Oh, okay. And that's the best way to find out, you know, where people are from. Um, and so we don't have really enough data yet. We haven't even been opened a year. Right. So we haven't crunched all of our numbers yet. But um, when we first opened, we had a higher percentage of locals coming in because they had heard the news and were excited to see it. Um, but since then, um, I'd say a majority of our visitors are um, out-of-towners, mostly pleasure tourists. There haven't been that many conventions of late, so we don't see as many business tourists. Um, but an interesting thing I've noticed in the last week or so, a couple of weeks, a lot of international travelers have been coming through. Yesterday, we had a couple from the Ukraine. We had a couple from Israel. And we had a couple from um, England. And I was wondering why was why do you think that was? Well, how come these all these international people are traveling? And I surmise that after the holiday travel season, when all the Americans go back to work, <laughs> that maybe some of these Europeans and folks from other places, um, other countries, are traveling longer. Yeah. So they might have started their travels during the holidays, but because they've come so far, they've extended their holidays past the holiday season so it's great seeing people from other countries come through well and i'm sure you know the fact that we don't have the same weather as the ukraine is probably a job uh -huh. well that's it too although it's funny we've had people come in you know in shorts one day and we we tell them uh, i hate to tell you this but tomorrow it's going to be 30 degrees colder 
because <laughs> you know, that's the way we get winter here in New Orleans. Which will still be know. warmer, still be pretty warm for them. <laughs> that's, that's true, that's true. You never know what to pack when you're coming to New Orleans in the winter. Exactly. Um, so you did a podcast on Louisiana Insider, which is another podcast that our company does that is done by um, one of my big mentors, um, Errol Laborde, uh, Louisiana Insider. The episode 42 talks about um the the jewish experience southern jewish experience a little bit more um into the history and things like that and you guys had mentioned some big names that i didn't realize because I, I know the museum talks of when you promote the museum you say like you don't have to be jewish to be interested mm -hmm. you know, like, there's a lot of stuff here but the names that came out of of uh, southern jewish delgado newman toro these are big names mm -hmm. that i had no idea didn't realize you know mm -hmm were part of that community. And, and so tell me what um, what people can expect. It, it must be, what's the goal? What do, you, what do you want people to come there and experience? Sure. Well, you're right. We say you don't have to be Southern. You don't have to be Jewish. Uh, as a matter of fact, we expect that more than uh, half of our visitors will not be Southern and will not be Jewish. Um, and that's because we're telling uh, a unique a story of a unique population and a unique experience but there are universal lessons and stories and experiences in the story we're telling about southern jewish history where the, those are those lessons are about how do you navigate a new place how do you find your place in your community and contribute to your community what do you give up to fit in what do you hold on to to maintain your identity? There aren't any right or wrong answers to this, and there are a thousand different answers, but everyone experiences that to some degree. Certainly their ancestors did, um, but even today, people have to navigate their environment, a new job, a new school, a new community. How do you work? How do you work to fit in? What is your place there? Um, so these are things that through our unique history can speak to anyone coming through. I think everyone will see something of their own family history in the stories we tell. Um, and so that's why we're, that's one of the reasons why we've been so popular so far and award-winning, et cetera, because people recognize the value of sharing these kinds of stories. So what does a museum look like? Uh, how big is it? And, and what kind of things, like maybe what are some of your favorite parts of it? Mm -hmm. Well, the museum is in a building um, that it's a, four, it's a four story building, but we only occupy uh, the ground floor and half of the second floor. So we have about 8,000 square feet of exhibit space. And then we have a classroom uh, and we have some office space and we have a little theater where we show uh, an orientation film every day. Um, and you go through um, some chronological exhibits and you go through some thematic exhibits. The, the thematic exhibit is called the Foundations of Judaism and it's about what is the Jewish religion. So a lot of people don't know much about Judaism and so in this gallery, they can learn about the holidays, they can learn about the life cycle events. You know, a lot of people might say, yeah, I've got these 
co-workers and every September they take a bunch of days off of work. I've heard of Rosh Hashanah, but I don't know what that is. So this gallery is a fun and interactive way to learn about some of that history or, or some of that, uh, some of the religion. The chronological um, exhibits start in colonial times because Jews have been in the South from the very beginning of colonial, um, colonial exploration and, and settlement. Uh, we cover 13 Southern states and we go all the way really up to the contemporary times. So we talk about the civil war and slavery. We talk about, um, uh, you know, the uh, industrialization of the South. And we talk about World War II and the Holocaust, the civil rights movement, you know, all the major elements of American and Southern history are played out through the experience of Jews in the South that are somewhat unknown to most people because they think about American Jewry as a Northeastern New York City type experience. And this is something new, something different. And it can say something about Southern history and American history that a lot of people just never considered. Are there certain pieces that like, I know museums kind of have these like artifacts or things like that mm -hmm. that they're mm -hmm. particularly sure. excited about? Are, are there certain things that you'll be able to see there? Absolutely. Well, so I started out by saying that museums are important because they preserve and display and, you know, um, and engage people with the real thing. So actual pieces of history. And that's what we have. We have actual artifacts, old things um, on display, and we use them to tell stories and to, um, you know, um, describe what it was like for people at a different time in a different place. My one of my favorite artifacts is a crazy quilt that we have on display. It was made by the Jewish Ladies Sewing Circle in Canton, Mississippi in 1885. There's a lot of reasons I love it. <laughs> it's a beautiful piece of textile history, um, but it's also a beautiful metaphor for people coming together, working together to create something um, that then benefits the community because they, they raffled the quilt off to raise money for the synagogue in Canton, Mississippi. Um, so I love that metaphor. And we use that metaphor at the end of our exhibit where we let visitors sit down at a table and electronically sew, I'm using my air quotes fingers, <laughs> sew their own quilt square by choosing uh, on a touch screen different fabrics that represent them and their community, different patches they can write on the quilt with their finger. Uh, and when they're finished creating their quilt square, which represents them and their community, they push a button and it gets added to, into the center of the table to everyone else's quilt square. And so the more people who participate, the more beautiful, the more crazy the quilt gets because that diversity is what makes the quilt wonderful. And again, that's the metaphor um, that we're trying to um, 
to have people explore that everyone has something to add to their community. That is so cool. Um, that sounds like a natural fit for um, like field trips for kids and things like that, educational experiences. What kind of, do you guys have any kind of partnerships that you've developed? Well, we definitely once, I mean, no one's coming on a field trip right now. Yeah, I know, it's not now. Not, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but once that begins again, absolutely. Okay. We have uh, made outreach to, to school systems, to churches um, in, the, in the area. Um, so we are a great place to come and, you know, explore Southern history, explore religious history. Um, so yes, absolutely. We, we welcome all kinds of different groups. We're working with Tulane University. We're working with the historic New Orleans collection, um, on, on a a project right now that everyone will hear more about soon. Um, (laughs) So we have definitely um, set our flag uh, in the ground here, and uh, and we're pleased to be a part of the community. So you guys opened in the pandemic, which is a really tough time to open anything. But so how are you getting the word out? How are you promoting yourselves? Right here. This is it. This is it. <laughs> um, <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> well, you know, all through all of the usual means, through both the the earned media and the paid media. Um, we have gotten some wonderful stories written about us in the New York Times, oh, USA awesome. Today, um, uh, the Houston Chronicle, the Atlanta paper, the you know various newspapers have written about us. We've won some wonderful awards. We were the uh, Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities Exhibit of the Year. Um, and so we tout those things. We've got, of course, we've got our rack cards in all the hotels downtown. Right. Um, you know, those those kind of things. We we buy a few ads, those get a little expensive. So we've got a few paid advertisements here and there. Um, but since we haven't been open for a year yet and it's the middle of the pandemic, <laughs> it's hard to uh ascertain what um, you know, how successful different like ad buys are. It's going to take us a while to really figure that out. Yeah, yeah. So what what are the future plans? You said you have some different spaces in there. I'm assuming you're going to have some um, events and things like mm-hmm. that. What kind of things? We do. We we have public programs. Our, right now, our public programs are primarily virtual, you know, through Zoom. Um, but uh, very soon, we have some on-site programs. Uh, they'll actually be hybrid. Uh, meaning that you can show up or you can tune in, uh, you know, virtually. Um, And we'll probably continue that into the future, even when the pandemic is over, because why not? People from all over the world can then participate. So it's a new, a new normal, as they like to say. Um, So speakers, films, uh, musical presentations, uh, all kinds of uh, family workshops. We're going to be uh, having a bagel decorating, a Mardi Gras bagel <laughs> decorating workshop um, with the fine people from uh, Crew de Jew very soon. So, um, you know, it, fun stuff, academic stuff, something for everybody, basically. You know, there's the, all kinds of uh, different museum goers. We want to be here for them all. 
what is our Jewish community like? Um, it, it seems pretty active. Is it how large is it here in New it Orleans? It is. The Jewish community in New Orleans is not uh, the biggest in the South. We've got about 12,000 Jews in town. Um, but we're, but it's an old community. It's been around for a long time. New Orleans has the oldest Jewish congregation outside of the original 13 colonies. And it's what is, to, it's what is today is, um, is Turo Synagogue. It was started in 1828. Um, so of course we were part of America, part of the United States by then, but we were the first outside of the original 13. Um, so there are, you know, a handful of synagogues. There's the JCC, the Jewish Community Center, a very active Jewish federation. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's great programming throughout the city for people who are Jewish. Um, but a lot of those activities and opportunities are open to the public as well. Awesome. Um, well, so I wanted to tell everybody too, so you guys are open when? We are open uh, every day from, from 10 to 5, every day except Tuesdays. Okay. A lot of museums close on Mondays, but we opted to close on Tuesdays because people who are traveling sometimes stay that extra day over mm -hmm. and fly out in the afternoon, and they're looking for something to do on Monday morning. Um, but a lot of things are closed on Mondays. So we decided to close on Tuesday. And thus far, we think we made the right choice there. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. Absolutely. This, is, this is a really cool new addition. We've talked about, I know in the magazine, all the new hotels that are popping up and the Harris thing and mm -hmm. all of that. So I think, you know, like you said, like when, when all this kind of starts to come back to normal, there, we're going to have a lot of new additions to attract people to the city. And it's exciting to have another museum be one of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, I encourage all of your listeners to come and visit us. Uh, you can get a ticket. You don't have to get tickets in advance. You can, you know, come at the door and get a ticket and um, we will roll out the red carpet for you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Kenneth. You're welcome. And thanks everybody for listening this week. If you haven't picked it up yet, our January issue is out and it talks about the uh, top executives of the year, which includes our first ever three-way tie for CEO of the year. So you got to look at that. And um, yeah, thank you and have a great week. Everybody stay safe. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.